Good morning, everybody. My name is Quentin Payton. I'm the youth director here at River Rock Bible Church. So glad you're here this morning. This morning, we're going to be talking about anxiety. This has been something that's been in my life, on my heart, probably since I started high school. Um, one of the biggest things in high school was me trying to fit this image. Try to fit this image of being a great Christian guy. That whatever I did, I had to uphold this certain image in my life. Every action I took, every person I talked to, every test I took, had to fall into place so that I could keep up this image. And it put so much pressure on me, and it put so much anxiety on me. Because I was worrying about these little things in life instead of the bigger picture. When I got to my senior year of high school, it really hit me. Everyone was talking about going off to college. People were talking about going to A&M, big whoop, right? And then you got the hook'em horns. Didn't really want to put any energy into keeping Austin weird. That just wasn't me. So I decided to go to a small university to go to UMHB. And God opened up that door, and I was able to go. And I, as soon as I stepped in on campus, I knew this is where I was supposed to be because I didn't have to put up an image anymore. I could just be me. God called me to ministry. He told me, Quentin, you're going to be yourself from now on. I want you to be transparent in everything that you do. You don't need to worry about putting up this image anymore. I'm taking away that anxiety from your life. And so this morning, we're going to be talking from the passage that got me through all of that, that got me to the point where God could take away this anxiety in my life. And so let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And we're going to learn three truths today. And let's go ahead and dive into verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Read that last line again. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Life is so precious. Life is so pure. And it's not something we can just think of in little increments. It's not something we can just think of in terms of clothes, in terms of little things to get us through the day. That's not what life's about. Life's to be experienced. Life is to enjoy creation. One of the biggest things I deal with every day is going to class. In college, we had to sit there, we had to listen to the professor, and eventually, I don't know what it is, it just happens that his voice starts to just mute out for a little bit. I kind of slink down in my chair, start to think about other things, clearly, right? And as soon as I really just start thinking about my day, I think about really one of the more important things that I have to decide. Like every day, I have to decide this, and it is a huge step. What in the world is for lunch? <laughs> and so... The only thing we have on campus is Chick-fil-A. And so instantly my mind just thinks of chicken sandwiches, waffle fries, Chick-fil-A sauce just being dunked every which way. I don't care if there's anything going on in my face as long as it's going in my mouth, okay? So as soon as I get to Chick-fil-A, I order it, I smell it, I see it, it's there, I start eating it, and then it's gone. And it's just done. It's over with. Just like that. Not even 10 minutes. I'm a fast eater, I know. Don't judge, Okay. And it's done. It's just like that. It doesn't get me full all the way. Sometimes I want an extra fry. Sometimes there's that extra salty one that you just really didn't need. We always want more. Food never, ever is going to provide everything that we need. It's never going to fill us. It's never going to fulfill us. It's never going to sustain us. We need three meals a day, but we only need one God. And that's what Jesus is saying here. It's like life is more than just clothes. It's more than just food. It's about me. We try to 
come to church and we put on this image, like our family's all together, our marriage is so safe, but we're meant to come to church and be transparent and show who we truly are, that there's a God working in our lives. We're not meant to be the life of the party. We're meant to be the servant at the party. We're not supposed to focus in on the sweets of life, having everything fall into place. We're only supposed to take a bite of the bread of life to sustain us and fulfill us and find fulfillment. And that's what Jesus is saying here in just one verse. So we move on to verse 26. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. I know that was a mouthful. It was for me too. I had to read it. So let's digress this a little bit. So everything in here is talking about food and clothing. And a lot of us in here don't really need to worry about that at all. We've got a nice closet full. We've got food on the table for our families. But God is talking more than just these basic needs. God created us. He understands the passions of our hearts. He understands what's on our mind. He understands why we make certain decisions. He knows you better than you do. He understands your passions. He understands why you get distracted. He understands. And he wants to provide those needs for us. He's not just a God that sits there and waits for you to come to him. He pushes you and he provides for you. He wants you to fall in love. He wants you to be loved and love others. He wants you to experience himself. He wants you to have all these things. He doesn't want you to struggle in life. And yet when we focus in on the wrong things, when we focus in on having a perfect life, having everything fall into place, we're losing the fact that he's the one that can give it to us all. One thing that I can say to in my own life um, is my parents. When they became of age and they got married, they were pretty young, and they wanted to have kids. The desire of both their hearts was to have children. That was something that they wanted so bad. They went to all the doctors. They did all the types and experiments, and God said no. God said they just weren't able to have children. Something that they wanted so bad. A desire of their heart, yes. And I know there's some of us in here who's in the same boat. But God gifted them with two incredible adopted children. And then two two years after that, this guy. So, all to say, God is going to provide. God is going to give you probably even more than what you intended. I know they did, okay? So, I promise you, That God wants to care for you. God cares. God is here for you. God wants to provide those needs in your life. He wants to provide those desires of your heart. From the little things to the big things. God cares. Let's go ahead and jump down to verse 33 real quick. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Seek it first. A lot of times what we do is we focus in on what we have and we try to make it better. That's, that's just what we do as humans. We have what we have and we try to make it better and we try to get more. That's just what we do. 
But God is saying, seek first me. Seek first what I'm doing in your life. Be a part of what I'm doing because I'm already working in your life. So surrender to what I'm doing and I will provide for you. God's making a promise here in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. If anyone's faithful, it's God. In the Old Testament, talking with Israel, he makes a covenant saying, if your kings and your people obey me, I will be your God, you will be my people, you will be provided for, you will be protected. However, if you decide to go against my laws and my statutes, if you decide to idolize other gods, if you decide to intermix yourself with other people, I will put you into slavery. I will punish you. God was faithful in both sides of that story. He's so faithful and just. It's just who he is. And so if Jesus is saying here in verse 33, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, I can promise you that he's going to be faithful with that. Why would he not? If you're pursuing him, you're pursuing what he's doing, he's going to provide for you to do it more, to give more of yourself. It's such a beautiful thing to know that you can just rest in him and go after him and know that he wants you to be there. And he's going to provide those things that you're so worried about. This is something that he does to get rid of anxiety. Let's go back up to verse 27. And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? The second point we're going to make is that there are things out of our control. Kind of a hard lesson to learn, definitely, and especially with time. Who of us can add a single hour to his life? Just because you spent a little bit too long worrying about your day doesn't mean you get an extra 25th hour in the day. That's just not how God works. It's not like a tax return. He doesn't just bop it in on the end of the year. No, that's not what he does. Okay? He has 24 hours for you in the day. He created time, and he's going to give it to you. You don't pick when you come into this world. You don't pick when you come out. This time that you're in, it's God's. So you have to make the most of it. Now, we try to focus in on time a lot when things are just awful in life, when we just feel like we need more time to fix our problems. We pray to God for more time. Like time is the answer to everything. God, if you would just give me more time at work, I would be able to finish these things. I'd be able to go home to my family at a better time to have dinner. God, I just need more time at work. I need more time to finish these things. Or maybe it's the other side. God, I just want more quality time with my family. I just feel like I'm always distracted. I always just feel like I'm never ever present with all of me there. I just always feel so lost. I need more time. But that's not the answer. Time is never the answer. We need to pray to God because he's the answer. We don't need to pray to God because time is. God's the one that created time. God's the one that gives time. God's the one that takes away time. God's the one that makes time. God's the one that brings quality into time. Things are out of your control, and definitely time is one of those. I guarantee it. God is the one we should be praying to. Now let's go down to verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Every single day is going to have trouble. Guarantee it. Some of you already this morning experienced that, come to church. Maybe you had the alarm set at the wrong time, and all of a sudden your kids are late, 
your spouse is taking too long in the bathroom. Ladies, I'm talking to you. And so we have all these things that we just don't plan on happening, but just happen to fall into place. We can't control how other people act. We can't control what other people think or do or love. We can only respond to what they do to us, hopefully out of love. There's certain circumstances in life that we can't account for, that we can't control. Children are born every day with defects, with deformities, with hindrances, with handicaps. They didn't get to pick those things. God gave them to them. Earlier this year, I met an incredible guy. He is a freshman in high school, and he's in the Special Olympics. His name's Frankie. And when this guy, I get just goosebumps thinking about him. When this guy walks into a room, your face lights up. Like, you smile all the time. Your cheeks hurt after he leaves. Because he's just such a joyful presence. But I had to learn a few things about him first. Which just made me respect him all the more. When I was doing a Bible study with him and a few other freshman guys, his dad was in the room. And we were sharing our testimonies. And Frankie, it was his turn to share. And he wanted to, he wanted to share everything. He wanted to share his whole life story. And the only things he could say and repeat over and over is Jesus, God, love. Jesus, God, love. And you can see just the passion. And he's trying to pour it all out just right here. He's giving it all out to us. And we just feel his presence. And we feel God's presence. We know his heart. So his dad walks up and he grabs him by the shoulders and said, I think it's my turn. So Frankie's the son. Frank is his dad. And Frank told us about Frankie's birth. When Frankie was born, Frank was in the room. As soon as Frankie started to come into this world, Frank was pushed out of the room. For some reason or another, he ended up in a room all by himself, and all he heard were nurses and doctors telling him what was wrong with the situation. Suddenly, he was losing his wife. There were things and complications with his son that he just wasn't going to be normal. He just wasn't going to be the same. He was going to be different. All these vague propositions. And Frank is sitting in the room by himself, what's supposed to be the happiest day of his life is turning into the worst day he could ever imagine. Those circumstances were not in his control at all. By the grace of God, he cried out to God and he was on his knees. Of course he was angry. Of course he was upset. But he knew who to go to. He knew who was in control the whole time. And by the grace of God, he got his wife back. And by the grace of God, he has Frankie to this day who still prays for his dad. Whenever Frank has an awful day at work or he comes home late, Frankie will come around the other side with a big smile on his face and say, I prayed for you today, dad. I prayed to God to you today. I pray. He says it just like that. I prayed to God to you today. He says it just like that. Frank didn't pick those circumstances, but I promise you he's happy that it worked out. So let's go ahead and go up to verse 26 real quick. Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more, much more than they? So if we look at the picture of these birds real quick, 
we can see that that is kind of disgusting. Okay, that's the first thing I instantly think of. But God is showing that birds are dependent on him. Birds don't grow their own food. Birds don't come into barns on Sunday mornings and praise God. They don't communicate with a, with a beautiful choir and sing praises. They're just not as sophisticated as us. But yet we see here that even birds have the opportunity to live. That even birds have the opportunity to be a parent. That God even so uses birds to bring life into this world. God provides even for birds who are so and utterly dependent on God. Birds can't grow their own food. They have to rely on what is around them. Not only that, but they have these migration programmed in their heads. I can't explain it. I'm not, you know, anything with science. That's just not me. But they are programmed to get away when the the weather gets bad. And God put that in them to protect them, to provide for them when they need it most. God is showing his power. In verse 30, we see, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Grass was the same back then as it is now. It's honestly just filler. It's just there. Grass doesn't move towards water. It doesn't uproot, take a step over, plant itself back down in a nice little puddle. That's just not how it works. It doesn't move towards the sunlight. It doesn't move to where it can get more carbon dioxide. It's totally dependent on nature. It's totally dependent on God. And you know what grass's purpose is? In this day and age, it was to be burnt for food, to start a fire. They would burn grass to start a fire. That was the biggest thing that a grass could do. That's the biggest thing it could hope for to be burnt for food. What much more will God do for us? What much more will he do for people he's adopted into his own family? How much more will he provide for us? How much more will he give us our needs and our desires of our hearts? Don't overlook God. Look right at him. He wants to provide for us. He's doing it through nature and he wants us to be dependent on him as well. Verse 31 and 32, do not worry then saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Gentiles didn't worship God. Gentiles didn't sacrifice to God. And yet they still were provided by, by God. How much more will he do for his own people? How much more will he give for his own people? It is incredible what we seem to just overestimate. We try to put everything in our life in order. As people here in the United States, I would say, middle class for sure, we focus on a life of comfort. We try to provide for ourselves. We put money into our homes. We put money into our future. But we don't even have control of that. We don't have control of where we'll be or what will happen to us. But we try to live this life of comfort, but we know that we are needed to be dependent on God. Doesn't matter how many trophies your kids have, doesn't matter how much money you have in savings, doesn't matter what kind of clothes you're wearing, because you're still going to leave this earth. You're still going to leave. All those things that we try to put into our own possession will fade away, will not sustain us, will not provide the deepest things of our hearts. Only God can. God is the only one that wants to do that and can do that. 
is such a beautiful thing to rely upon him. Don't try to control your life when you can't even control the essence of your own being. You can't control when you're here and when you're gone. Don't try to control other things in your life. Give it up to God. God's the one that can hold you in the palm of his hand. We just sang the song this morning, God is able. So go ahead and put Psalm 78 up on the screen, please. So we see man did eat the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. This third point we're going to make is God provides in abundance. He cares. There are things out of our control, but he also provides in abundance. This scripture right here in Psalm 78, Israel was following Moses out of Egypt. We've all heard the story. They were following out of Egypt behind Moses, and they had obeyed God. They did exactly what God had told them to do, leave and follow Moses. And so, obviously, Israel figured, you know, since we did something for you, maybe you should do something for us. We've been following this one guy with a white beard for like almost 40 years now, and we just really want some food. That's really what we would love. So the next morning they wake up and they look and covering the ground is this manna, this really, really sweet bread. And it's covering the grass as dew covers grass. It is everywhere. God provided for them, but he provided also in abundance, way more than what they ever had expected. Incredible. And so let's go ahead and turn to Genesis 1 where we can see more of this. Genesis 1 verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. I want to focus in on that first part. Let us make man in our own image. God created us, yes, but he didn't have to make us in his image. He didn't have to create some characteristics that are like him. He didn't have to bless us with that kind of thing to come onto this world. We are the only creation on this earth that bears God's image. We're the only ones. That means we have responsibility, but that's also a blessing. So let's look at verse 28, another simple thing. Verse 28 says, God bless them. See, when we see a verse this big, we're exhausted. And we try to read through it all to get the big understanding. But the biggest thing in this is, look, God bless them. Right off the bat, as soon as God creates you, he blesses you. What a dad. As soon as you're created, instantly, holy kiss, just caresses you in his hand. I don't know what you like to be felt. I, I don't know. I, just imagine, he's picking you up. It's exactly what he wants to do. And then after that, he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. He gives us authority. The only thing that has authority is God, and he gives it to us. He grants it to us, providing things in abundance. We didn't have to, and we don't deserve to have authority here on earth. But yet God gives it to us. God gives us authority to subdue it. And he tells us, be fruitful and multiply. Enjoy this creation that I've created. But the most beautiful thing was still yet to be seen in chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the bread of life and became a living being. Honestly, I don't remember the last time I was breathed on, but I promise you I didn't like it. It's very uncomfortable. It's a little bit too personal, okay? But yet, God decides to do this. He takes 
dust from the ground, brings it to his face, and breathes into it. Something that we step on every day, something that is simply just what seems residue, we, say it, we even give it its own label, dirty. He takes us from the ground and brings him up to his face and breathes life into us. He creates that personal relationship right from the beginning. No man brings dust that close without loving it, without truly desiring to do more with this dust. And so he blesses it, and so he creates it, and so he gives it authority. God is a blessing creator. Now let's turn to Psalms 23. We've all heard this passage before in our lives. So verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So God is our shepherd. Shepherds are on watch 24-7. Whether the sheep are grazing, whether they're taking a little siesta, whether they're having a fiesta, whether they're being herded through a wilderness, whether they're just drinking, whether they're having a bath, whatever it is, the shepherd's on watch. No matter what you're doing, God is watching what you're doing. And he wants to protect you, and he wants to keep you safe, and he wants to provide for you. And he makes you lay down in green pastures. He leads you beside quiet waters. He makes you rest. He gives you peace and he provides for you. That water, that quiet water is meant to sustain you, to give you nourishment, to provide for you along the way. He knows life isn't easy and he wants to provide for you. He wants to give you what you need and he's going to give you rest along the way. A lot of us are exhausted with what we're doing. That's because we're not following what God has for us. We're so exhausted in trying to gain things and to do things and find importance here on earth. That's not what it's about. God wants us to rest. He wants us to enjoy this creation. It's incredible. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even in the darkest times of our life, God will provide for us. When I was in middle school, my mom lost her job. She was laid off from work. Um, it, was really, it was really a hard time for us. They reassured me that we weren't going to go into any financial issues. We're going to be fine. And I saw my mom for three years pray to God and just kind of question why my dad had to be so burdened with providing for the family now. Why couldn't she have a job to herself and be able to help provide for us and give us what we wanted? For three years, she did that, and she pleaded with God. After three years, God blessed her with a job. A perfect job? No. But he gave her a job. He gave her a job at a big hospital in Houston where she would be the employee health nurse, so she would get to know every single employee, so she would get to understand the drama that goes around, goes around in a hospital. It's not like Grey's Anatomy, but it's pretty close, okay? And so she gets to be in that position, And God had prepared her for it. God prepared her not only for a job, but for ministry. My mom gets to be the light at a hospital. She gets to be the hope in a hopeless place. But she could never have done that and found that on her own had God not prepared her for it and given her that. 
God gave her way more than what she expected. She was just wanting a full-time job. God gave her a full-time ministry. It's incredible how much he wants to care for us and how much he wants to provide for us. It's a beautiful thing. But yet the biggest thing he did was decide to become a sacrificial father. To give the best thing in his whole life to us. To grant his only son to come into this world to save the people that have been following themselves, that have been, been trying to pursue life here on earth for themselves, to glorify themselves, to find peace in little things, and trying to find the sweets of life instead of the bread of life. The ones that have decided to become dust again, to leave this life. And yet he brings his son into this world to become the perfect sacrifice so that we might have perfect eternal life. God's way more concerned about our eternity than our well-being right now. It's kind of a bigger deal to him for you to be with him in eternity than it is for you to find comfort here on earth. And so looking at verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Christ died perfectly so that we might grab a hold of his life perfectly. As we seek first the kingdom of heaven, as we seek first his righteousness, as we grab hold of what's right there for us, we get to be provided for as we continue to pursue him and love him with everything that we have. But as we try to decide what to do with our own life and we try to pick up these own things that will never sustain us, will never fulfill us, we lose track of God. God is bigger than your anxiety. God is bigger than the things of this world. God is bigger than your past. God is bigger than your future. God is bigger than anything you've hoped for or imagined. And he wants to provide an abundance for you. So if you're new here to Christianity, it's, it's a crazy road. It's an awesome road. But the biggest thing you need to understand is that it's all about God. Is that when you try to focus in on your own life, you lose track of things. You lose track of even yourself. It's all about God. If you're new here to River Rock, if you're looking for a church maybe, what better way to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness than to become a part of a church that's doing it in Georgetown. And if you're here as a regular attender or a member here at River Rock and you're still struggling with anxiety, I think it's time for you to start to pray to God for him to be your answer instead of time. We think of time as so precious And it is, but God is the delicate resource in our life. He's the one that's always going to be there, that's going to sustain us. He's our bread of life. Would you pray with me now? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity just to describe your greatness in words that only humans can say, but we know that you are far greater than that. We know that you pursue our hearts when we try to run for you, from you, we try to pick up things in this life and we try to carry them as far as we can, but we know that we just need to drop them and grab hold tight of you. As you picked us up from the dust and breathed life into us, we want that same eternal life forever and ever and ever. Thank you for gracing us with your presence and with your love. And thank you for sending your son to a person who doesn't deserve it, to a creation that spit in your face. But thank you, God, for restoring us continually 
for taking us where we are and providing for the innermost part of us, our soul. He restores my soul. So thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Quinn. You guys, Quinn did a great job. Thanks. Isn't it exciting to see the next generation of Christian leaders already, Quentin, you're 20 years old, just turned 20? Yeah. All right, so just turned 20 years old. Um, It was shortly after I turned 20 that I preached my first sermon. And uh, so, Quentin, thank you so much for the time you put into that. It's so exciting to see this because this is something that River Rock Bible Church is about. We want to be preparing leaders for God's church, including our future leaders. So uh, just an exciting thing to see. River Rock Bible Church, our vision is to go into our community and allow every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. Something that we say often around here is that it takes every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. Um, Quentin has poured into a number of our students here, preparing them, equipping them. They are the future of the church, and so it's exciting to see that. It is a mission that is much bigger than any one person or any team or staff or elder board can accomplish on their own. It takes every single one of us.